You're listening to the Eltham Baptist Church Podcast. I'm sure if God's good or whether God's got a sense of humour because, uh, as you'll see, I'm going to preach on the second half of uh, Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, now, can I have the PowerPoint on the back wall as well? Beautiful. Thank you very much. That will be very helpful. So, I always like to speak to you uh, about what I've been studying at, at MST. And last year I did um, spiritual disciplines with Tom Kimber. And we were supposed to choose a particular discipline and study it in depth. So, you know, you could do prayer or you could do fasting or any other number of things. And I thought, well, fasting doesn't sound very fun. So what I did was I chose hospitality. But it didn't take very long for me to realise that if you put a tagline on something, spiritual discipline, it's actually not going to be as cuddly as it first seems. So I've called this hospitality reveals God's glory. And I think I am fully in control. So... Hospitality is something not quite as cuddly as I'd hoped. First of all, I was looking at Matthew 25. This is the story of the, the sheep and the goats where Jesus tells the parable. He's going to separate the sheep and the goats and he says to the sheep, well done, you've done the right thing. Receive your reward because I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. Now for some traditions, that verse, I was a stranger and you invited me in, is the key to how they understand hospitality and the implications of Jesus, you opening the door to Jesus in the face of the stranger. That is huge. But in many other traditions, so the commentaries are kind of like divided half and half. They're going, no, it's not about that at all. It's about the fact that there's persecution coming for the believers. And um, if you take care of the believers, then you'll be blessed because of that. So I didn't want to go down that line today. So it's also challenging. We think of hospitality as having a few friends around, having a meal and having a bit of a laugh. But in Luke 14, Jesus explicitly says... Do not invite your friends. Do not invite your family. Don't invite the rich. Don't invite anyone who can repay you. Instead, you're supposed to invite the poor, the crippled, the lame and the blind. And probably not incidentally, but in the following story, the parable that Jesus tells of the great banquet, it is the poor, the crippled, the lame and the blind who respond to the invitation to God's hospitality. Uh, and the next point, compulsory. Is it compulsory? We often say, uh, hospitality is not my gift, or I'm not very good at cooking, or my house is not very nice, or I don't have the resources. But you know what, that verse, Luke 9, that's when the disciples are in the middle of nowhere, they have nothing, and there's 5,000 people before them, and what does Jesus say to them? You offer them hospitality. He says, you feed them. So I think there is a sense that we are all called to this. We are called to, 
to use what we have in order to offer hospitality to the stranger. And why? Well, it's because it communicates. That incident when Jesus fed the 5,000 revealed God's glory. But that uh, passage, Luke 24, of course, it's the road to Emmaus. And Jesus is walking with two disciples, explaining to them the scriptures. And they do not recognize him until he shares a meal with them. Hospitality communicates. In actual fact, so that was sort of my preliminary thoughts. And there are three things that I want to, to impart with you about what the good host looks like. Firstly, the good host recognizes and draws out the image of God in the stranger. This is one of the books I read. People view hospitality as quaint and tame. Yes, I did that. Partly because they do not understand the power of recognition. It's Christine Pohl. What she is saying is that you recognize the image of God in the stranger and that is powerful and it is transformative. So back to Matthew 25 verse 30. I was a stranger and you invited me in. If you want to take that verse on face value, just as it is, that is a powerful verse. But if you want to go with the other tradition and say, no, it's not about that, you're still faced with the foundations of our faith, which is Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. Well, all of Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, though, of course, we're all created in the image of God. So even though that image is marred, and the stranger comes to us with a marred image of God. The stranger still is made in the image of God and the good host will recognise that image and draw the image out. How does the host draw the image out? Well, I think it's related to this point. The good host receives the gift the stranger brings. One of the lines that sort of started to haunt me as I was doing this study over months, was the stranger always brings a gift. Uh, we often have people live long-term with us one way or another. And you know when you have fallen humanity brushing up against fallen humanity for a long period of time, I can tell you, for me, at any rate, seeing the image of God in the other becomes rather challenging. But and so over and over with this particular person last year, I'm going, the stranger always brings a gift. You know, she comes to me bearing the image of God and i you know, struggling to see it. I remember, let me give an example of just a short-term encounter. When we were in uh, China, Mike and I were part of a, an English language Bible study that was hosted by the registered church. And the idea of this Bible study was an outreach. Lots of people wanted to learn English and they'd come along and they'd practice English and they'd hear about Jesus. It was a win-win. But some of the older Christians there just seemed to have completely forgotten the vision. And they would sit there and they would bicker away about some minor theological point in, not, not in English, not in Chinese, but in the local dialect. Um, and, you know, Young people would come from the universities or whatever and they'd never come again. But there was this one kid, um, she was in a wheelchair, she had cerebral palsy. Her grandmother would bring her. And I'd be in despair with these people going on about I don't know what. And I'd look over to this kid and she would smile at me. 
I was like, oh, it was just like the radiance of God's glory to me. And I found myself more and more looking to this kid for encouragement because she would always smile at me. All right, it's a very small example, but that's the goal. When you receive the gift that the stranger brings, you begin to blur the division between the host and the stranger. In, yes, we were hosting a Bible study for her to come to, but she was feeding into my soul. And I, this kid never said anything until one, one time at the end, and to my shame, I assumed she couldn't talk. At the end of one session, she turns to me and she goes, thank you, in perfect English. And I was like, oh, praise God, what a gift. But back to the whole idea of the, the long-term hospitality where, you know, you do actually, you struggle with each other. Um, and that, that I, you know, I still firmly believe in that idea that this is the image bearer of God, therefore, if I know more about this person, I will know more about God. God I will, something more about God that I've never seen before will be revealed to me. But, often enough, the gift that they bring is to discover your own shortcomings and your own failings, and you yourself are stretched spiritually. Which, yeah, I mean, it must be much more fun to be given chocolate or something, and that be the gift, but it is still a gift to be stretched spiritually. Now, you thought I'd never get to Ephesians. My third point must begin with this. So, Russell has talked about Ephesians 1 to 10, and including in that uh, who we are without Christ. So Paul does a lot of that, who we were before Christ, who we are in Christ. So let me read this passage. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathen by the Jews. You were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross, and our hostility toward each other was put to death. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him, and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. 
We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. Now, the Bible is written to a people and in a culture where hospitality is generally more uh, central than it is in our culture. So you may not have ever read this before, thinking of hospitality, but this is the example of the great host. So first of all, if you want to look at the bold, just the black bold text, you'll see that the host is sacrificial in the way he hosts. It costs the blood of Christ, his son. It costs the body of his son on the cross. Down the bottom there, it costs the death of his son on the cross. The other thing about the great host is that he includes everyone and in doing that he establishes unity. So you see there, if you look at the purple and then compare it with the blue. Is there, are the colours coming up? Oh, beautiful. Okay. So there, who were, we, we were outsiders. So he includes the outsiders. He includes the one who are uncircumcised heathen. He includes um, those who are excluded and apart from Christ. Those who are without God, those who are hopeless. And what does he do? He brings them together as one so that you are united with Christ. Those who are far away are brought near. There again, united Jews and Gentiles into one people. And he made one new people from the two groups. And he has made, created us into one body that, are, that we are reconciled. So... And then 19, so we are no longer strangers and foreigners. We are citizens and members of God's family. Next thing that God does as the great host is to dismantle hostility. So he broke down the wall of hostility. There's a lot of talk about walls these days. Jesus and God, the great host, is in the business of breaking down walls. And then he put to death hostility. He creates peace. There we are in the orange, you can see peace. He made peace. Oh, sorry, at 14, he brought peace. 15, he made peace. 17, peace to you Gentiles, peace to the Jews. And finally, let's look at this more closely, the, the 20 to 22. He builds a home. Now, this is going back to my other two points. In actual fact, God, the great host, actually receives us effectively as his image bearers because we are received as part of his family. And he um, receives the gift that we bring in the sense that we are built into his home. We are part of his home. He uses us to build his home. Let me read those verses together. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. 
Through him you Gentiles are also being made part of the dwelling where God lives by his spirit. So the message says that brick by brick we are joined together. So the good host welcomes us into his home and makes us part of his home. One last thing from this passage. There's only one command in this passage, and it's right there at the beginning, don't forget. Or the Greek uses that word, we've got that English word mnemonic, which is you know, that trick that you use so you remember something gets stuck in your brain and you never forget it. Mnemonic is originally a Greek word meaning to enduringly remember. And we are to remember. Well, that's what I've just been through. So, the good host remembers what it is like to be the stranger. And the good host remembers how the great host has welcomed you. So you see that back in verse 13. You know, you were excluded. You were called names. You were a foreigner. And we had to remember that. It harks back to... In the Old Testament, when the Jews were um, rescued from slavery in Egypt and, Jesus, and God was teaching them the law, again and again he said to them, remember, remember that you are an alien and a stranger and that you are to, therefore to look after the, the strangers in your midst. Just remembering a time, I'll tell you a quick story. Remembering a time when I felt like a stranger we lived in India for a year and, yes, we were given a car and a chauffeur. So I was chauffeur-driven everywhere. And one afternoon, late afternoon, um, our driver, Raju, was bringing me home. We lived on the outskirts of the city, so it was fairly rural where we were passing. And there was a woman beside the road selling carrots. And I thought, oh, I need carrots. So I asked Raju to stop. And in my mind, I was a woman, a human being, going to approach another human being to buy some carrots. But I tell you, in her mind, the moment I stepped from that car, white woman, chauffeur-driven, she just thought, my ATM has arrived. I am sure I was there to pay for her children's school fees for the next 10 years, because it ended up that those carrots were the most expensive carrots in the world. And on one hand, that's okay. You know, I don't mind. Yes, fair enough. But on the other hand, it was the fact that she saw me as a walking money, money machine rather than as a fellow human being that was not recognising the image of God in me, that was treating me as a stranger. So when this passage from Ephesians 2 says, remember, oh, I remember that. And then remember how the great host has welcomed you into his home, fellow citizens, no longer strangers or foreigners, but part of his family. Now, many blessings on you all. It's a hot morning and you've done well through two sermons. This is my conclusion. Just to recap, the good host. The good host recognises the image of God in the stranger. The good host receives the gift that the stranger brings. And the good host remembers what it is like to walk in the shoes of the stranger and remembers that God has welcomed us. Let me pray. Father, we are grateful. We are grateful that you haven't left us in a state of sin and hopelessness. We are not excluded, but we are now citizens and part of your family. 
I pray that we will walk on knowing only that we are part of your family by your grace and that we would extend that same grace to others. Amen. You've been listening to the Eltham Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to hear more or simply pay us a visit, go to www.elthambaptist.net.